1: From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily and my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, we have two conversations. The first conversation, we talk Nigeria's crypto ban and what it means for their economy and their country. And the second one, more companies are moving to Texas, including this Bitcoin mining farm. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, February 11th, 2021. Another packed podcast today with a lot of information, a lot of conversation, and a lot of news. So I want to get straight into it, and let's get to those crypto prices.
2: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk.
1: And I'm recording this at 11.11 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $47,966, up 7.3% from yesterday. And yes, it did cross the $48,000 mark. Ethereum, $1,799.97 at the time. I'm, I, I, I might as well just call it $1,800, but that's what the price is, up 4.25% from yesterday. Litecoin, one eighty eight fifty six up 5.5%. Chainlink, up 6.1%, and XRP, 52.2 cents, up 6.5%. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency, we're looking at $1.447 trillion, up 7.8%, with a BTC dominance of 61.7%. Top 10, we have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, Cardano, XRP, Polkadot, BNB, Litecoin, Chainlink, and Stellar at number 10. And there's been a lot of talk, a lot of news about the Bitcoin and Ethereum fees. Bitcoin and Ethereum's networks have been just packed with transactions. I mean, their fees are climbing and climbing because people are buying, people are hodling, people are transacting, more companies are coming in. Things are going to eventually go up. I mean, the networks are being tested like they've never been tested before. The average price for a Bitcoin transaction right now is around $25. For Ethereum, it's a little lower at $24. Ethereum's all-time high transaction fee was $25 on average. And Bitcoin, around $55 on average, their all-time high. And that was back in 2017. But I want to put that into perspective really quick. The first one is that both of these fees are average and they can be adjusted. So if you're looking at these average fees, you have to actually take into account what is the purpose of each transaction? Is it for speed? Most people want their transactions broadcasted as fast as possible. They want it on their network and they want it in their wallet now. So they're going to pay the premium. However, you can dial back those fees. You can literally say, "I want to pay cheaper price. Have this be a lot slower." have it come even tomorrow, or even in two days, and that's a little nerve-wracking, but you can really get a good, cheap transaction fee if you wanna dial it down, and it's still faster than the bank. The second perspective I wanna keep this into is compared to banking fees. Look, I get paid via wire transfer. It doesn't matter if it's $1,000 or $5,000, I get charged, me. The recipient gets charged $15, and the sender also, I think, gets charged. Imagine if somebody sends you money and then they charge you for getting sent money. Like, what is that? How are you how are you even charging me for getting sent something? I remember just the other day I sent my buddy $1,000 via PayPal. Charged him almost 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Look, Bitcoin and Ethereum transaction fees are still a deal compared to the banks no matter what. And this is getting to the peak. You can dial it down and you can send $300 million in Bitcoin and it only costs you a couple bucks. And the best thing is, it's not charging the receiving end. Getting into our first conversation, we're talking to Peter Wall, the CEO of Argo, and he's going to talk about making his new mining facility in Texas. Hey, what? nice to be here. You guys are acquiring and you guys signed a letter of intent for 168 acres, West Texas, mining, cheap electricity. Tell me, what does that do to your mining? Tell me what that does do to your company. Break it all down for us, please.
0: Well, Matthew, as you know, you know, cryptocurrency mining is all about getting it's all about two things. Really, one, getting as close as you can to as cheap as power as you can. Ideally, if it's renewable, that's a bonus. And two, getting access to machines, you know, being able to, to get your hands on the latest and greatest technology. So this is a step for us. And that's been this, you know, since we started mining. That's the challenge. You want to get your your cost as low as you can and your main your the majority, the vast majority of your of your cost. And if I showed you our power bill, you'd like you'd cry, you know, Mm -hmm. at some of our facilities, the vast majority of your cost is power. So you want to be able to get literally the world's cheapest power. And so that's why we've seen people mining in places like in, you know, in China, you know, the Sichuan region, where there's super duper cheap power at certain times of the year, Quebec has really cheap power. And we've just bought two facilities in Quebec, you know, where we're getting, you know, three, four cent power, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But now we have this opportunity to build out a data center in West Texas. And not only is it the world's cheapest power, like literally, remarkably low cost. But it also uh, is is a part of a grid there that is coming from primarily renewables. So there's a ton of wind and a ton of solar that's on the grid down there, um, and uh, and there's there's actually kind of too much. So the price is just so low because there's a lot of congestion. And so we're we've got this piece of land which is right next to a power station, to a substation, um, and uh, and we're going to be building out a facility there uh, as soon as uh, as soon as we can.
1: That's amazing. So why Texas? A lot of people are moving to Texas right now from California to New York. A lot of businesses are relocating there or starting up there. What makes Texas so special?
0: I think there's I think there's two reasons. And I think there's one concern. So the two reasons is Cheap power. I mean, you know, we're just talking about about how the importance of that, uh, but also it's a business friendly jurisdiction. So, you know, there's not a ton of red tape. Uh, it's easy to get things done. They, you know, in the particular county that we're going to be working in um, or we're planning to work in once this deal closes, it's, it's a very business friendly area. They, they want jobs. You know, they want they want people to be setting up businesses. So so those are the two things that are great about Texas. The challenge in Texas, as as you're probably gonna ask me next, is it's hot down there in the summer. Right. So how are you gonna how are you gonna deal with the heat? Because we know that Bitcoin mining generates a ton of heat. Uh, and, you know, you, you, and traditionally the way the way in which you're going to be mining Bitcoin or, or cooling Bitcoin machines is with, is with air. They're air cooled and you set up, you know, negative pressure zones and you move a ton of air through and that keeps it cool. So, you know, we're, we're still in the early stages of design uh, for, the, for what we're going to be building out. But we're definitely going to be um, looking for innovative designs, particularly with immersion technology. That's really the future of, of Bitcoin mining. That's really the future of any kind of high powered, high capacity computing. Will be with immersion, so uh, so we're going to be doing a lot. We have an incredible technology team already in house. Uh, we've got some partners we're talking to already about you know immersion tech. Um, so so that's how we're going to be dealing with the heat.
1: What are you going to be primarily mining from that facility?
0: Yeah, so we're we've always been opportunistic, uh, Matthew, with with what we mine. So you know we right now, if you look at our our revenue, the majority of it's from from Bitcoin mining. And obviously, our margins—you know—you saw our operational update we put out recently. Our margins are in the in the seventies and climbing because we're putting on, you know, even newer, more efficient machines with our with our S19 installs that we're putting in right now. But we're opportunistic, so we've mined in the past, you know, a whole plethora of different coins. We're currently also mining uh, Zcash with our with our Equihash miners, and uh, and we like Bitcoin. We love mining Bitcoin, but you know, it's always an analysis depending on what. And, you know, going back to what I said right at the start, what machines are available, what can you get, what does the ROI look like on those machines. So those are kind of the calculations that we're always doing, you know, really on a, I wouldn't say daily basis, but certainly on a weekly basis, we're looking at, at what's out there and what's available.
1: We we know that there's a uh, crypto cycles. We know that you can go to a three and a half year crypto winter for only a six month bull. What if you miss this bull? I mean, you're gonna be, you haven't built the facility yet. You're gonna close it. You close it down today. What if you miss this bull? Is it still gonna be in your favor? It's profitable? a great question.
0: And uh, well, what I like about this facility is that we are, we're the masters of our own domain. So we can build it out at our own speed. So if we want to put up 50 megawatts, you know, we we look at the market in a month and we say, you know what, we're just gonna chill out for a little bit. We're gonna sit back and hold some capital. Back, you know, during the the crypto winter that we just have been through, and this is one great thing about us is that we've been through these cycles. We we've got the knowledge and the experience um, to kind of how to how to survive through a, a cycle. What we found is that you know during a, a winter cycle, it's not a bad idea just to sit on capital sometimes and not do anything.
1: I always want to know about security when it comes to the Bitcoin network. You know, China has a lot of the hash power right now, and a yeah. lot of people are moving this and take it like yourself like your company moving a little that has power back to either the northern america or other regions so that it's more decentralized is that part of the goal as well or is this that just because of the price of the electricity like you said in the land it just worked out that way
0: well, we like being in, in stable parts of the world, Matthew. And that's what we like about mining in North America. You know, we know what we're going to get from, from local governments, from federal governments. We we like that stability because anytime you're putting a good deal of infrastructure somewhere, you want to make sure that it's in a stable place. And if you can do it at a place that, you know, is business friendly and that is welcoming you uh, and that you can get super powered, you know, cheap power rates at. That's fantastic. We're happy to be in North America. If there was opportunities elsewhere that fit, you know, the criteria that we're looking for, we would look at those. And certainly there is a movement uh, to bring hash power to North America. You've seen companies like Core Scientific, who, we, you know, we have some machines at their some of their facilities. You've seen companies like DCG, um, Digital Currency Group, you know, they've launched their foundry and part of their mission has been to bring hash power to, to North America. There's also North American pools that are starting up. Um, so it's it's definitely a trend in the industry. And I think over the next, you know, six to 12 months to two years, you're going to see more and more hash power diversifying around the world. And that's a good thing. I mean, the more we can decentralize uh, hash power and, and continue to
1: decentralize the network, the better. Peter Wall, CEO Argo, thank you very much for coming on the show and congratulations on your new facility. Thanks, Matty. In our second conversation today, we're talking to Danny Oyekan. CEO of Dan Holdings, and he's going to tell us about the situation in Nigeria. He is born and raised in Nigeria, and he's going to tell us how he feels about Nigeria banning cryptocurrency.
2: Hi. Hi. How are you doing, Matthew?
1: We just had the news break last week uh, that Nigeria is shutting down crypto. First of all, you ain't shutting down Bitcoin, but that means everybody's probably going to be going P2P. Um, But I want you to, to tell me really quick, summarize what happened, why did they make the decision, and then I want to go into the consequences. What happened in Nigeria?
2: Uh, Basically, what happened is the central bank uh, was kind of scared of a few things. Uh, First, I think capital controls. People were um, using crypto for remittances. They got concerned. They abruptly just came out on Friday. Uh, We initially in the space, they even think it was a real uh, when we saw the letter, they sent a letter to the central the banks, the domestic banks, and the payment processors to stop dealing with crypto companies. When they sent the letter, it circulated on the, on the, in, within the Nigerian Twitter, and we uh, weren't sure what was going on. So we we're trying to verify initially that this was actually accurate. Within a few hours, the central bank itself tweeted it from the verified account. They put it on their website. They basically made it official. That's what's currently going on. I we're not we're not sure where this is actually going. We think it's a very very wrong move by the central bank.
1: So how do you actually ban cryptocurrency in a country? You just ban the on ramps, off ramps, ban the exchanges. You cut cut off anybody from Nigeria within the IP addresses within Nigeria and just say you're not doing this. How does that work?
2: It's not even the IP addresses. No, it's just the banks. They just, stop, they just stop the banks from dealing with crypto companies. It doesn't mean the P2P um, exchanges are not going to work. It doesn't mean the OTC desks are not going to work. It doesn't mean I'm not going to send you Bitcoin and you're not going to send me <laughs> the local currency, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, at this stage, P2P is just thriving. Like people are trying to... So a lot of people that had recently gone into cryptocurrency within the last two years don't even know what a peer-to-peer exchange is, right? But this Mm -hmm. has made them know what a peer-to-peer exchange is. Like, they are all moving peer-to-peer. Like, peer-to-peer is the new space that everyone's moving to. And it it basically means that nobody's really going to um, directly deal with the the
1: banks. Let's go long-term with this. Let's say that this persists for a long time. How do you think that this will affect Nigeria economy, finance, on a global scale?
2: I might be a little bit biased because I'm pro-crypto.
1: Aren't we all? yeah <laughs> that's why we're yeah. here right
2: <laughs> i'll say like maybe 80 percent or 90 percent of my net worth is in crypto and so uh, i i am very very pro crypto so i'm going to be biased but i'd say in the long term it's going to affect the economy because if they um i, I would think that the central bank should be adding crypto to their balance sheet at this point <laughs> not banning crypto um you see Tesla, you see Twitter thinking of it. PayPal already. You see Square. You see MicroStrategy. You see companies, big companies around the world, already um, adding crypto to their balance sheet. And you're telling me as a central bank that you're thinking of banning it because of capital controls. Instead of you to think of, oh, why don't we add this to our foreign reserves so we can grow our foreign reserves, right? <laughs> right. That that's the the way I think the a good like a smart central bank should go. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Currently, what I think is it's going to affect the um, traditional finance system. Um, Luckily, a lot of young Nigerians uh, have um, already um, adopted to crypto in one way or the other.
1: I was talking to somebody the other day and they kind of felt that this was just a pause so they can, the the regulators or the government, the central banks can really just figure out what's going on, figure out how to control it, how to regulate the on-ramp, the off-ramp. How does it really work into the um, Nigerian financial system. Do you think that this is just a temporary pause? You think that they're just going, okay, let's put the brakes on, let's wait a year or two, let's figure out how this actually works, and then they turn turn it back on? Or do you really think that this is a long term stop of uh, cryptocurrency?
2: People were talking about, and not so educated, so they don't know how to deal with this. They don't even know that crypto exchanges actually have KYCAML policies and their own um, on ramp off ramps that actually check who the user is um very very stringent uh, KYC AML policies before a user can actually trade on their platforms so they're not even sure of what this is and as i've said that they should have engaged the crypto companies to see okay guys what exactly is this rather than just saying oh, wait, we're just going to ban this and we be- we bring you to the negotiating table. Um, a few hours ago, the, cent- the the Senate, the Nigerian Senate, summoned the central bank governor um, to the um, Senate for a hearing because they felt like they want to know why the central bank governor banned this and they want uh, answers. So I think that's a very good step in forward because if the central bank suddenly summons the central, uh, the, the Senate suddenly summons the central bank governor, that means that, they know that something is here and uh they need to understand what's really going on i have had more interest in cryptocurrencies over the past 72 to 94 hours i don't know uh in cryptocurrencies from Nigeria like i'd say like even my father has has called me about crypto and tried <laughs> to understand and this is a guy who's fully traditional you know he he does not listen i told him to buy bitcoin at three thousand dollars in 2017
1: so Bro, that's, that, that, <laughs> talking to your parents is just like that that's how they are yeah, they, they don't want to listen to you you're the kid you don't you, you ain't you ain't smart yet.
2: If, if that's the case, right, that is bringing a lot of publicity to the space in the country. So sooner or later, I think that they're going to learn what's going on. I don't think it's going to last for more than two years at the max. And I think they will um, use this time as a learning curve.
1: Nigeria is your home country, Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel as your home country is making this decision, especially with something that you are very passionate about and, of course, have a company dealing with?
2: I don't feel good. Um, I think it's very bad for the future of the economy, especially because um, most of the people who are in this are very young, savvy people. And if you as a, a country and as a, as a government is trying to stifle that in the long term, it's going to it's going to make us like um, left out of the whole Where the world's going, like if the world is already there, then Nigeria is going to be maybe 10 steps back and start starting to to like try to struggle back in.
1: Danny Oaken, CEO of Dan Holdings, thank you for coming on and telling me about the situation in Nigeria. And I hope that you make an influence on Nigeria so they can just open back up their doors.
2: They will. They will with time slowly but surely.
1: (laughs) And another news, and this is some bullish news, MasterCard will allow consumer to merchant payments in cryptocurrency this year without needing to settle into fiat. But there's a catch. And that catch is they're probably not going to use things like Bitcoin or Litecoin or Ethereum. They're probably just going to use stable coins. They say Bitcoin is too volatile. They want something a little bit more stable, a little bit more predictable, and something that is easier to work with on their balance sheets. In related news, Visa's also been thinking about doing this. And maybe MasterCard's willingness to take the step forward in 2021 will also encourage Visa to do the same. So integration of cryptocurrencies on Visa and MasterCard coming soon. It was almost impossible not to hear this news, but if you didn't, the Twitter CFO says that they might be adding Bitcoin to their balance sheet very soon. As we all know, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is very bullish on Bitcoin. However, we never really knew how Twitter itself felt about Bitcoin. Well, the CFO came out to say this on Squawk Box, saying, in quote, We've done a lot of upfront thinking to consider how we might pay employees should they ask to be paid in Bitcoin, how we might pay a vendor if they're asked to be paid in BTC, and whether we need to have BTC on our balance sheet. Well, it's a little vague. It's non-committal, but at least they're thinking about it. How many more companies will follow Tesla's lead? I was talking to this with my friend just the other day. You need to have a certain kind of CEO that's going to be doing this, and you kind of like Elon Musk and Michael Saylor, they kind of are this of the same mold. Jack Dorsey? He's kind of the same as too. Uh, somebody more conservative like Tim Cook, probably not. But time will tell. And finally, Uber, yes, the rideshare company Uber, says it might start accepting Bitcoin for its rides. Now every bull run we see this happen, we see everybody saying, "Hey, we'll take Bitcoin, we'll take Bitcoin." But the thing is, nobody's gonna pay in Bitcoin. Nobody's gonna do it. And eventually, by the time this bull run's over, they're going to drop it. They're going to drop it from their platform because nobody's using it. At least that's my prediction. But the more companies accept Bitcoin, the more eyes are on Bitcoin, the more notoriety, the more adoption, the more acceptance, the more mainstream. So this is bullish news. This is part of the path forward. But I highly doubt they're going to get many payments in Bitcoin. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Tomorrow I'm back with a long-form podcast. I'm catching up with my good friend, Isaiah Jackson, author of Bitcoin and Black America. Don't miss this conversation, but until then, happy hodling.